Do you remember your, your first grade teacher's name? I remember mine, Miss O'Rear. Miss O'Rear. I was just about to say I could remember all of my elementary ed teachers, but I might not. But I know Miss O'Rear was first grade. And one time, those of us who were able to make an A on the spelling test, she gave us a little book. And the name of the little book was Happiness Is. Happiness Is. And on the front of the book was a picture of Snoopy and Charlie Brown. And inside were just pictures and little statements, little simple statements that were at the bottom of the picture. For example, uh, happiness is a warm blanket on a cold night. It would show Charlie Brown with a warm blanket. Happiness is having a, a dog as your best friend. It showed Charlie Brown and Snoopy together. Happiness is uh, three o'clock during the day, getting out of school. Had a picture of that. One of my favorite pictures in that book is, it says, happiness is a pile of leaves in the fall. A pile of leaves. You're running and jumping in a pile of leaves. This evening I want us to think about salvation and simply think about salvation is. Salvation is. Salvation is, first of all, thinking like God thinks. Reasoning and thinking like God thinks. One way God wants us to think is to be able to reason from the visible to the invisible. When we see something, uh, a physical item, oftentimes that brings uh, special memories to us. God wants us to reason from the visible to the invisible. He wants us to do this when it comes to our faith in in his existence. You might check out Romans 1 and verse 20 where Paul uses this sort of reasoning. Okay. He says there that, that the invisible things of God, that is his, his power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the beginning of creation by the things which he made. That's Romans 1 verse 20. So in other words, we can, we can get a grasp of the divine nature and power of God by observing the physical things he has made. And man has been able to do this ever since the beginning of creation. And so we remember reading Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. That's what... That's what we mean. So we reason from what is seen to what is not seen, from the visible uh, to the invisible. Some say there's no evidence for the existence of God. Well, what they mean by that, they said, I can't use the scientific method and understand and realize there's a God. Okay? And so very true, you cannot measure God, you cannot weigh God, you cannot take a photograph of God. We walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. But we can, we can see what is and then reason back in time and understand that God is the very best and really the only answer uh, to what we see. Jesus used this line of reasoning in 
Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, you recall when, when they let the man down through the roof and Jesus is going to heal the man who, who could not walk. But first he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. And there was some discussion about that statement. And, and so Jesus said, now which is easier for me to say? Is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to take up your bed and walk? And then about Mark 2 verse 10, Jesus says, so, so that all the earth may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I'm going to say unto this man, Arise, take up your bed and walk. And that's exactly what happened. He healed him instantly. Okay. But Jesus is using this way of thinking from, from what you see to what the Lord is able to do for you. See, If Jesus is able to take care of the consequences of sin, which is sickness and death, that's why we have sickness and death, because sin is in the world. If Jesus is able to take care of that, if, he, if he's able to, to extinguish that, then he's well able to take care of the cause of it. He's able to help us with the cause of the sickness and death, and that is sin itself. See. And so he wants us to reason from, from what is seen to who is doing the miracle. If, I'm going to, if I can say to this man, rise and take up your bed and walk, then I can also have the authority to forgive sins. Now, John uses this to help us in our faith when it comes to the scripture. In John chapter 20 and verse 30, John writes, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written down so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so we've been studying on Wednesday nights how God, the Holy Spirit, God himself, worked through the apostles and blessed them with the ability of presenting the truth in a very correct and infallible way, and then gave also the apostles the power to confirm what they were teaching. Also gave the, power, the, the apostles the power to pass on some power to other folks so they could do the same. And then finally, how God guided the men who sat down and wrote the Bible, guided them alone as they wrote the Bible. And so now we have in our hands, because of God's goodness and his providence, we have the scriptures, something that can be seen, and we can take this as what, what is seen, what we can read, and reason back and say, if, if I do what God says to do, if I do what they did in those early times, and I can become what they became, I can just simply become a Christian. God wants us to reason this way. So if we think like God thinks, then certainly uh, salvation can be ours. And even when it comes to our faith and meditation, we can reason like this. Think about the Lord's Supper. How precious those items are. See how God thinks? He wants us to be able to look at the, the unleavened bread and know that this represents the body of Jesus that was... That, was, that, that died in our place. We deserve to be up there on the cross because of our sins. He died in our place, and that bread can represent that to us every Lord's day. And we can keep that in memory even all 
uh, throughout the week. It helps us to remember what life is truly all about. And same thing with the fruit of the vine as it represents the blood of Jesus and the first day represents his resurrection. The, the visible to the invisible can help us to sit down and meditate and to think and to fill our hearts uh, with gratitude. God wants us to use this line of reasoning with other people. You remember back in Joshua chapter 4 as Moses set up those memorial stones as he led the people across uh, the Jordan. That God's ideal, Joshua 4 verse 7, uh, God's ideal is that when your children ask about these stones, okay, what mean you by these stones? You'll be able to just use those stones and explain to them the power and the goodness of God and how he brought them out of bondage but also brought them into the wilderness, finally into the promised land itself. So there's no reason whatsoever that we can't also with our children take the visible things that God has given us. We can take the creation itself. We ought to. We can take the miracles of Jesus. We can take scripture itself, the examples in scripture. We can take what happens at worship we can take the items of the Lord's Supper and we can sit down with our children. I guarantee you, because it comes from God, I guarantee you the kids will get it and they'll be able to repeat it to others. So salvation is thinking the way God uh, thinks. Secondly, uh, this evening, salvation is depending on Christ. This is just a refresher for us. But absolutely, in Christ alone, sometimes we sing. Salvation is depending on Christ. Jesus once said in John 15, verse 5, John 15, 5, he says, Without me, you can do nothing. Well, that's so very true. That's so very true. And we were reviewing the other day when we were thinking about the Lord's Supper, and it's good for us to meditate on this further, that we cannot atone for our own sins. That's, that's an important. That's an important thought if there ever has been. We cannot, we cannot make amends for our sins. We, not in our own wisdom. These songs we sang tonight brought that out uh, very well. We cannot make up for our own sins, though we try sometimes. But we've got, we've got to remember, according to Colossians 1, 19 and 20, that peace is made through the blood of Jesus and, and no way else, no, no other avenue. No other means. But we as men, as mankind, we do try sometimes. Some people think that time itself is the magic that takes away blunders and takes away sins. Time itself. You know, time performs the magic. Somebody might say, well, 100 years from now, none of this is going to matter. Well, if, if it involves sin, it matters. Because we read in 2 Peter 3 and verse 8 that, that a thousand years with God is what? As, as a year, and a year is a thousand years. God doesn't regulate time. He doesn't, he doesn't live within time as, as we do. Not at all. Time doesn't perform the magic of, of forgiving our sins. Only God can do that. In Psalm 32, it's interesting, David is is getting ready to confess his sins. We're talking about how he confessed his sins, but he said, Psalm 32, 3 and 4, he said, 
He said before he confessed his sins, he was silent. He was silent. That is, that is he was just letting time pass. He was silent. He wasn't confessing uh, his sins. But, but he groaned all the day long. He said the, the hand of the Lord was heavy upon him day and night as it should be because he had not confessed his sins. His sins were still uh, plastered on his soul. You see, time wasn't doing the magic for David. Time wasn't doing it for him. Sometimes we feel like it does. We'll say, well, as time passes along, people will tend to forget. That's so true. People will forget. But God does not. God doesn't. God does not guide time. He does not live within time as, as, um, as we do. In Psalm 25 and verse 7, the prayer is, Remember not the sins of my youth. So who, whoever utters that prayer there, probably David, understands that, that time doesn't get rid of our sins. Why is he concerned about the sins of his youth? Because he knows just because he's an adult now doesn't mean the sins of his youth necessarily necessarily gone. Has he gone through the proper channels of God in order for his sins to be uh, removed? And so we need to bear that in mind. We we cannot we cannot. You know the the Greeks used to say this about time. They used to say your mind is like a slate, and time is the sponge. And so just give it enough time. Those things on your mind that bothers you, eventually time will wipe those things off. And that's the way most men live their life. They just want some time to go by and maybe people will just forget what I've done. But that's not how it works. So we must depend upon Christ and His message, His Word, uh, for the atonement of our sins. Good works won't take it away either. We, we can't read enough or meet enough or go enough or, or uh, meet enough or, or work enough or pray enough or read. We can't do enough to uh, make up for our, our sins. It doesn't happen that way. We remember reading in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 about salvation. Not according to our own works are we saved. But according to his mercy, according to his mercy, we are saved from our sins. And by the washing of regeneration, surely by our, by our obedience, but not, we obey the Lord because the Lord says we ought to obey him, not because we're trying to earn our way into his, his goodness. Somebody might say, well, why do you do anything then if, if, if you can't work your way or pray your way or read your way? Think your way. Well, think about it yourself. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Why are you here tonight? You're not here because you want to get into heaven. Why do you do what you do? Two major reasons why we do what we do. First, the authority of God. Who He is. Who He is. He, just because of who He is. The high, holy, and the great God up above. Who He is. The creator, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-loving God. 
who he is makes us serve him. What else would we do? And then secondly, gratitude. Gratitude for what he has done. For what he has done. That's why we serve. That's why we serve. Because of his authority, who he is. And secondly, because of gratitude, what he has done. Who he is and what he has done. That's why we do anything that we do, whether it be worship or serving or anything that we do. We continuously think about God. And so we must remember that salvation is about depending on Christ. Depending on Christ. And then in the third place uh, this evening, salvation is deliverance. Salvation is deliverance. I got caught up on this word. I'll just confess to you. So I've just been wanting to bring it out. This is a good opportunity to bring it out. Okay. You ever do that in your reading of your Bible? You say, I want to I wanna trace that word out, but not this time. Maybe not next time. I hadn't had time to do it, so here it is. Okay. But it's so very true. Isn't salvation deliverance? Sure it is. But you remember a couple weeks ago we were studying Judas and if you look at Matthew 26 and verse 15, Judas was making a deal with the chief priest. And he says, what will you give me so I can deliver him unto you? Deliver him. Deliver him. Judas thought he was the one delivering Christ over to the officials. But guess what? We read in Acts 2 and verse 23, that according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, Christ was delivered. There's no accident. This was not the work of Judas. No. We said this morning that Jesus is in charge of judgment day. Jesus has never lost control. He's always been in charge. He, he's always known exactly what he is doing. And he still does. But all the time he was on earth, he knew exactly what was transpiring. He knew exactly what he was doing the whole time. It's not Judas delivering him. God, in his determinate counsel and foreknowledge, was delivering him up for us. That's one aspect of deliverance. A second aspect is because Jesus was delivered over to the officials and crucified, we can be delivered from our sins. We read this in Romans 4 and verse uh, 25. He was delivered for our trespasses, Romans 4, 25, and he was raised for our justification. Just a beautiful little thought there. Galatians 1 and verse 4 says, Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. And then this from Colossians chapter 1, 13. Paul speaking of our salvation. He says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have our redemption, even the forgiveness of our sins. You see, because God allowed Jesus to be delivered over to the cross, now we can be delivered from our sins. And not just that. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, We can be delivered from the wrath to come. Did we make it plain this morning that on the judgment day there is a wrath to come? Some will come forth from the graves 
to everlasting life. Others will go to a place of everlasting shame and contempt. Did we, did we, do we understand there is a, the wrath of God to come? But because of Jesus and through Jesus and his word, we can be delivered from that, from that wrath to come. First, First Thessalonians 1 verse 10. You see how salvation is deliverance? And isn't it nice we read in, in Jude verse 3 that, that this faith, the gospel, this faith has been once for all time delivered unto the saints. We have the gospel delivered unto us. Paul says regarding the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, 23, he says, I have delivered unto you that which also I received, how that Jesus Christ on the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and so forth. Paul, in speaking of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, he says, I have delivered unto you that which also I have received. And he gets into the facts of the gospel. And we ought to deliver to others the very things that have been delivered to the inspired men in the Bible. Paul had received the gospel and he was delivering it. He had delivered it to the Corinthians. He delivered it he delivered it in Athens. He delivered it in Ephesus. He delivered it in Colossae. Everywhere he, everywhere he went, he delivered it. Salvation is all about deliverance. Jesus was delivered to the cross so we could be delivered from our rescue from our sins. So we could be rescued from the wrath to come. This gospel was delivered unto us so that we can deliver it to other people. Salvation is deliverance. Now, the Hallmark Channel has a few good shows left on it. And one of them is called Sign, Sealed, and Delivered. That's the gospel. The gospel has been brought to us by God. It has been sealed up. There's no more, there's no more communication coming from God. This is it right here. The apostles were guided into all the truth. And that gospel has been delivered to us. But it's an unfinished business because we must deliver it to other people. Salvation is deliverance. And then in the fourth place, let's mention quickly that salvation is, is all about, and I'm going to try a couple of words here. It's all about steadfastness. You struggle with, with what this is. But steadfastness, hanging on, hanging on. That's what salvation is all about. It's about hanging on. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's salvation. Salvation is about hanging on, having a tight grip, tight grip. Growing up, my mom had a good friend at church. Her name Bonnie, Bonnie Engel. Bonnie. Bonnie had no problem talking. And her boys grew up with us, and we still know that family. Bonnie tells this story when her son Brad was little. They had a man at the house one summer evening. And the man was there to talk to them about doing some repairs on their house. 
And they knew the man, they were outside talking, and the man got ready to leave. Well, unbeknownst to anybody, little Brad, okay, this little, had been playing around the man's work truck. And he was on the passenger side of the truck. And when the man left, Brad, little Brad, three-year-old Brad, had jumped up and grabbed hold of the handle of the passenger door, and nobody knew it. And there he went, driving up the road, and he turned a corner, and that's when Bonnie saw her son with a grip on the side of that truck. And as she tells it, uh, she had no problem running from uh, her driveway to that truck in record time. And you, know, you moms know what I mean. Somehow she got there. Somehow she got there, and she got, she got Brad off before he was, before he was injured. But that's the kind of grip we're talking about. Salvation is about a grip. Be steadfast, unmovable, because sometimes our blessings can become blunders. Our blessings can become curses. That's what happened in, in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were so blessed, so very, very blessed, but they used their blessings for curses. They, they were able to think, they were able to see, they were able to hear, they were able to eat. All those blessings, the devil caused them to use that for, to do something that they shouldn't have done. They saw that fruit, they desired that fruit, they heard what God said, they heard what Satan said, and before long their blessings had become blunders, and they sinned. And as we hold on to God, let me make sure this doesn't happen. The other day we were talking about the Lord's Supper at, at, at the church in Corinth. Look what Corinth had done to worship of all things. When you read in 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 23, you see that it, was, it wasn't possible for them to come together and take the Lord's Supper anymore. Somehow, somehow, they had combined their fellowship meals with the Lord's Supper. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. But see, the blessing of worship is a blessing to be able to worship God. A blessing to be a member of the Lord's church. A blessing to come, come together on the first day of the week. But they had turned it into a curse against themselves because of what they were doing. Worship is... It's very distinct. Worship has one audience. It has God. God is our audience. Okay? You are not the audience. You are the participants. Okay? We are praising God together. He's our audience. We have one aim in mind, to bring glory and praise to Him. Bring our obedience to Him because it brings honor to His name. That's our one aim in worship. To come together for any other purpose is to defile the name of our God. So our worship, which is a blessing, can become a curse. Other things in life, but you take about, take, take in for a minute and think about a person's job, how, how thankful you are for a good job. Okay. But that job can begin to engulf your life and then that leads to neglect to the Lord and, and all of a sudden we're not seeking first the kingdom of God and our blessing becomes our curse. 
Somebody may get in their mind, well, I need to be a good steward of God. And we do. Steward is to be found faithful according to 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2. But that stewardship doesn't need to turn into some sort of stinginess, you know. The Bible wants us to be, God teaches in His Bible, that God wants us to be generous. He wants us to give in a generous way. So, if we sow sparingly, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians now, we're going to reap sparingly. But if we sow in a generous way, God promises that He will, he will bless us in a generous way. Covetousness, which is greed, Colossians 3 and verse 5, covetousness is the same thing as idolatry. And so you see how our blessings can become curses. A person can be very talented, a talented individual. Judas, I think, was pretty talented. The, the apostles put a lot of responsibility on Judas. He must have been very talented. He must have been a upstanding guy at least for a while but then that sort of went another way there's a fellow I think he still preaches in San Antonio he's done a, done a lot of harm to the church his name is Max Lucado Max Lucado Max was once he is a very talented individual but he was once in the church he was once a, just a gospel preacher just 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 the pure gospel. Now, now, in his books, you can look it up for yourself. Now, if he writes a religious book, he'll have the sinner's prayer right there in the back of his book. Just pathetic. Just what a talented man. He's an incredible writer. He's able to touch people's hearts with his writings, but all for naught. You see, Psalm 127 verse 1 says, It's vain, in you, vain unto you, to rise up early and stay up late. Okay. Except the Lord build the house, he says there, you labor in vain. Your blessings can become uh, curses. Well, that's enough about that. I just wanted us to see that there are some precious ideas about salvation. We didn't get to all of them. Okay. But at least these four can refresh our memories this evening. Salvation is depending on Christ. Salvation is all about deliverance. Salvation is about holding on to tight grip. Salvation is about thinking the way God thinks. You remember that Paul says in Philippians 2 and verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We begin to think like God thinks, and salvation can be ours. Appreciate the the good songs tonight. It's got my mind on the cross. Two things about the cross. What Jesus did on the cross. And then what Jesus did to the cross. Both of those are incredible ideas. What did Jesus do on the cross? Of course, he gave himself for us. No one else could have done it. But then... What was it? 20, 30 years after Jesus died on the cross, what did Paul say in Galatians 6.14? God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There he is boasting, glorying in the cross. Look what Jesus had done to the cross. He had taken it as being the worst thing in the world, the, the, 
most despicable idea, most cruel death imaginable. And now, because of what he did on the cross, look what has happened to the cross. It's in the midst of all of our songs. It's in the midst of all of our prayers. It's in the midst of our conversations. God forbid that I should glory saving the cross. Do you need to come home to the Lord uh, this evening? Please keep these ideas in mind. If you want to study further about salvation, then of course several of us here, we love to sit down and study the Bible with you, even this evening. Even this evening. If you want to study uh, this evening, all of us are here and we can study further. Will you come to our Lord and Savior tonight as we stand as we sing?